Well, hello and welcome back once again to In the Growth Space. I am your host, David McGlennon, and I'm really grateful for you listening in once again. Now, if you are a small business owner, or maybe you're a solopreneur, or maybe you just want to start a new business, today's episode is for you. If you've ever struggled with adapting to your changing environment or or even the changing you, we're going to talk with a business owner today who's been doing just that. You know, I, I met Rich Cardona on LinkedIn a couple of years ago and really enjoyed our initial conversation and, and enjoyed it so much that we stayed in contact and we stayed in touch and I've seen him grow. Uh, I've seen him grow his business and, and his brand over the course of a really short period of time. I mean, he has interviewed people like Gary Vee and, and Claude Silver and Andrew Frazella And, you know, he's just an amazing guy who has really continually pushed himself outside of his comfort zone. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about Rich because uh, his story is really amazing. Rich is a business owner who's really continued to evolve himself and reinvent and, and, and grow himself as well as his business. And, and I'm really honored to have him on this episode. And I, I thought that today and, and this week would be such a great uh, time to have him on the podcast because we just celebrated here in the United States our Independence Day. And I think of Rich and his story so much about being independent. Uh, and what you're going to learn about him is that he's a first-generation American. He's a retired Marine Corps attack helicopter pilot. So he's a, he's a bad dude, man. He's awesome. <laughs> no, he's really nice. He's awesome. But he's a combat veteran. And he, after leaving the Marine Corps, he, he went into a corporate work environment. But after two years, he quit and he moved into his in-law's basement. And he searched for which of his curiosities could really potentially lead to a business of his own. And then Rich Cardona Media was born. Rich's team helps seasoned executives and seven-figure entrepreneurs become more visible by solidifying their personal brand, determining which social mediums they should leverage, and owning the content creation process. Jocko Willink is their most notable client. Now, if you don't know Jocko, go look him up. (laughs) Rich's podcast, The Leadership Locker, is where influencers and industry leaders share their expertise with entrepreneurs, small business owners, and transitioning service members. Some of his guests have included Gary Vaynerchuk, as I said before, Shalene Johnson, Kendra Hall, Patrick Bet David, and more. And so let's get into this conversation with Rich. You're going to really enjoy this one. Well, hey, Rich, so great to have you on the podcast, man. It's been a while. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I know we were just kind of warming up, but I'm like, cool. All it took was a couple minutes and I feel like we haven't missed a beat. Uh, I know. That's that's always a sign of a good friendship and a business relationship. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so excited to have had you on the podcast here now, this episode, because, you know, I've seen you grow, you know, I've seen the things that you're doing in the business world. And and man, I want to be able to share that with the listeners, because I know that I have a lot of business owners. I've got business leaders. I've got emerging leaders who listen to the podcast. And I think that there's a lot that you've been learning and growing from in that I think just is, is a great a story to share. And so let's just like start with how did you get into the business that you're in? 
Yeah. So the business uh, I'm in, which I, I believe you mentioned in the intro, is 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 I have a media company. We focus on content creation for CEOs. Military yeah. CEOs are probably, you know, if I was going to niche down, that's what it would be. We also yeah. do podcast production. This came about in in a very strange way. I retired from the Marine Corps back in 2015. I retired a little early, and and I mean, I think we've discussed this before, but the Marine Corps doesn't have a recruiting problem. So from time to time, they'll let you retire early. You don't have to get to 20 years, and that's exactly what I did. And I ended up at Amazon for a couple of years. I was very unfulfilled working at a fulfillment center. And <laughs> I just I, something I was so unsettled, man. I, I was mm. deeply, deeply unsettled, despite performing very high, at a high level. And, and I think having a really good amount of influence on the people around me and the managers. I mean, every everyone who was a manager, quote unquote, under me got promoted. Like it was yeah. my goal. And they just they crushed it. Yeah. However, uh, I don't like we all shouldn't wait for something catastrophic to happen when we make the, you know, come to a big decision. But it was to the point where I just didn't even know who I was anymore. And it was affecting mm. my family life and my relationship. And I had been following Gary Vaynerchuk for just a little bit of time. At first, I couldn't stand him. And then I was like, <laughs> wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. I became friends with people he worked with because I like to see the people around the person that I'm consuming yeah. content about. And that's how I met Claude Silver, who's yeah. a great friend of mine and mentor. And the only way after I quit my job at Amazon, I thought I could give back to her was by making content for her. She's behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm like, Gary has content for the next three centuries. You know, what can I do for you? Can I get you on, on camera? Can I get some of your stories? And that's how it started. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I knew intuitively that there was just an amazing amount of C-suite executives who were operating behind the scenes. And, and because of that, we're not being seen. And yeah. because of that, the impact not being had on, on the, the people they could. So yeah. that is how the business started and it evolved little by little. And I've just been, it's been very fruitful. Uh, it's been very just engaging and gratifying for me. But helping people get their message out there in you know a medium of their choice and helping, I like to say, kind of untangle the spaghetti in their head of how to show up yeah. online and all those things. That is what I do. And that's why I do it. And, and that's how it started. That's such a great story, man. I, and I don't know if it was, I'm trying to recall if it was you or it was probably something that you did for Claude that introduced me to Claude. Yes. And then I got a chance to meet her. Yes. And it's kind of like, you know, how the network goes from there. We start meeting Best. people and oh yeah, do you know Rich? Oh yeah, do you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Hancher and all that kind of stuff. It's totally. uh, it's so cool. I love how uh, life unfolds like that. You were talking, one of the things that kind of came to my mind was, was there something in the Marine Corps that helped you to be like gravitated towards helping people to get their, their story out? You know, I don't know if you've ever been asked that or <sighs> Not, but I just the thing is not necessarily and, okay. and this is it's funny we talked about this as we were warming up so no one could see it but we talked about you know how your ideal audience or your target audience changes to an effect right and here's what I could say I'm a veteran advocate in my own way. I, I'm not the person who's just ridiculously patriotic and wearing American flag stuff and have a crazy beard and, and just like I, nothing wrong with that. But I just do it in my own way. And some of that right. is just creating content and trying to give influence over that. That is how I'm doing it. It's kind of like service after service. When I was yeah. in... And and I just had a podcast with Andy Frisella recently, and he goes, "What? Why can't you guys, you know, talk about yourselves that much? Or you know, what's what's the holdup?" I'm like, yeah. "We're coming from a place where it was never about you." Yeah. 
It was about everyone else. Mm -hmm. So the hardest thing to do when you are removed from that structure and that kind of organization, and then with all that deep purpose, the the most difficult part of that transition is being able to leverage what you've learned, but also presenting it. So as I went through this, you know, I, they always say the person, you know, whatever business or you have or service or product, like that person should be acutely familiar with what the problem is that they had to solve. And that's exactly what I had gone through. I, I thought I was completely ready to transition and I had an mm. MBA and I had 17 years and I flew helicopters yeah. and it was a visceral experience. So the service after service is, is kind of where it landed. And that's what I want to do. I want to help people be seen. Now, to answer your question fully though, now all the work ethic has come into play. Like now yeah, everything sure. that I learned, the the respect, you know, the kind of leadership challenges, how to solve problems, how to mentor, how to get organized, all that stuff is kind of now really coming to the surface a little bit more. But in yeah. the beginning of any entrepreneurial journey, I would say it's just a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it, man. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking before we started rolling, but uh, I can so relate with that because the, as I started my own business, I thought I was going to go one direction and it totally uh, changed. And and I shouldn't say totally changed, but it changed directions. And I think that that's something that a lot of business owners don't realize that they can change and that they can change their direction. They may just, it may be nuanced. It may be a big change, but regardless, it's going to change and evolve. And I, so I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what's what's been some of the evolution that you've gone through? What are some of those pivot points or, or, or change points that you've gone through, Rich? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is, and, and I, I'm, I'm posting about this in the next few days, but your ideal client changes over time. And the reason that changes over time is because your expertise is being built as well, right? And like you might be an expert in leadership or consulting or whatever it may be, but now you're a little bit more refined. Every week that goes by, every month that goes by, your mm-hmm. expertise is deepening. And if your expertise is deepening, what's probably happening, which is a very common mistake for early stage entrepreneurs, and I'm, I'm still there, is you're probably underpriced. You're underpriced because you want to get some of that validation. You want to get that proof of concept. You want to get some of those testimonials and people to vouch for you, make yeah. introductions for you and all those things. But as time goes on, you start to realize, wow, these clients who are getting these really good deals are actually the people I probably need to lose more than anything, Mm -hmm. because all I need to do is charge those who are doing very well, and I'm contributing even more, probably just another 10%. And if you really are delivering, they're going to take that 10% and be like, Rich or Dave, like no problem. And that allows you to kind of free yourself from some of those ones that are probably, you know, I don't want to say cheap, but they are at a price point that you needed at that time. Yes. And now they're a little bit more time consuming. They yeah. need more things and they're a little bit more hands on. And you're like, wow, things have evolved. So your offerings evolve, your expertise yeah. of uh, evolves, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then what you want to do actually evolves. And I think this is what you're kind of alluding to is things change and maybe it's nuanced or maybe it's major, but maybe you're in retail and you're like, I don't want to deal with inventory and capacity or anything. Or mm-hmm. maybe you're consulting and you're like, I don't want to do hourly. I'm going to do a flat fee. Yep. You know, this is what we're doing. We'll all meet this many times or once a week and we're going to do this. And it's for this specific time period. That's yep. it. Yep. Whatever it is, but you get smarter, you get more efficient. And obviously the default mentality for any business owner should be to scale. And yeah. anytime that you are desiring to scale, and if you're doing it appropriately and methodically, things are just going to change and evolve for the better. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Really what you're talking about is the growth mindset. I mean, yes. it's it's having that growth mindset and continually evolving and learning. Yes. It's not that we know everything there is to know right now. We don't. And, and like you just said, so articulately, we're going to continue to build and to grow and to find new things and find new markets that maybe we never even knew existed before. Yeah. So or international partnerships potentially, like, exactly. <laughs> like someone exactly. I know who just exactly. told me about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so cool. And you know, and, and I think that's the in today's world, we have so many opportunities just to go beyond our, you know, our geographic restrictions because yes. And I think that's really what a lot of what COVID has helped us to be able to see. Mm -hmm. Although I think if there were people seeing that beforehand, it just kind of really exploded it in, into a lot of people's consciousness, don't you? Yeah, I'm really, really glad you mentioned this. There is a media company here in town. I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I know them and they're great people. And they are very much focused on a specific niche here okay. in Wilmington. Yeah. I have one client in Wilmington and the rest are all over uh, the United States. I've had some in San Diego. I've had some in Utah. I've had some in Florida. I've had some in New York. I've had some in Vermont. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. And that to me was a very conscious decision because I feel like it would almost be too easy here. Mm. I want to put in the work. I want to be able to see, like, can I do this virtually? Can I still serve from a distance? Uh, can I, do I need to be flown out from time to time to do some of this deeper work? And the answer yeah. is yes. But mm -hmm. what I was able to prove to myself and, and to your point is that COVID you know, there was an opportunity for a lot of people to either drown or or to, you know, swim. And I was like, it was actually very fruitful for me, not only because of what the business is designed to do, because a lot of us had to get online and make content, yeah. but because I was like, okay, like I am doing this efficiently. Like my market does not need to exist right here in front of me. There is a part of me, a small part of me that just believes it's a little bit too comfortable. Sure. So if you can expand that out, put yourself in a little bit of that discomfort, and then you, know, you have more skin in the game, the client's probably going to trust you a little bit more because that's just the way it's going to have to be. Uh, and that's a really good sign, obviously, if you're able to have those remote relationships. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You talk about something that I, I love and that you talk about your comfort zone. And I, I'd love to just explore that with you for just a minute because I got to believe that as an aviator, uh, not just an aviator, but a military aviator, you're probably outside of your comfort zone quite a bit. And, yeah. and so like, how did you translate that into business? And I guess, how do you routinely get yourself out of your comfort zone? Now? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. And I think, oh man, as far as getting out of my comfort zone, it's interesting. I do it very intentionally, but I think very similar to when you're in the Marine Corps, once things start to happen, you're, you're not uncomfortable. You're like, wow, this is exactly where I needed to be. Yeah. I'll give you an example of that just to kind of make sure I'm, I'm hitting the point. Started a podcast because Gary Vee was saying to have a podcast, document sure. the journey, right? And, yeah. and there, there have been multiple iterations of the podcast, by the way. Yeah. However, one thing I learned uh, about being uncomfortable, and obviously it's not life or death, but it is literally just reaching out to people who have had influence over me and asking them mm. to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah. And that's a really strange situation if you're new to the game and if you're not an established business owner, and if you don't have all this amazing social proof in terms of downloads or in the business, millions of dollars of revenue that makes them think you're on the same plane as them. Yeah. So how do you do that? You, you get creative with headlines. Marine interviews media mogul. 
you know, or you, yeah. you think of different ways. You send a video, you DM them, you like their things, you get in touch with some of the gatekeepers, you look at the people around them. Mm-hmm. And this is all uncomfortable because right around the corner is that rejection and yeah. you need to have thick skin and you needed to have thick skin in military service as well. And trust me, as an aviator, you probably make hundreds of mistakes per flight, even though hundreds of things go right as well. Sure. So the iterations of the podcast have, has allowed me to really get some of the most influential people to others and to myself on. Yeah. And what I realized was everybody is human. Everyone <laughs> is taking some sort of risk all the time. And I actually just recorded a podcast right before this. Oh, cool. And it is that business owners, you, me, we are all here to provide a service that's going to help another business owner mitigate their risk. Yeah of underperforming, of letting the company go under, of not being seen by the right target audience, of whatever it is, of of Mm -hmm. being an emerging leader who's not going to have the impact they have and create a culture that is going to help be sustained over years and years of time. So we are here Mm -hmm. to mitigate risk. And if you want to mitigate risk, there's always, always going to be some sort of discomfort involved because there's risk involved, period. So I hope that makes sense. But, yeah, absolutely. It does, man. Well, and, and it's so cool that you went there because you know, part of the reason that I do this podcast is because I love learning from other people yeah. and learning how you get people like a, you know, a Gary V or a Andy Frazella, you know, on your podcast. I mean, to me, these are guys that I, in my mind, you, you kind of elevate them because you think, wow, they're, I mean, they're multimillionaires. They're, they're killing it in business. Yep. And yet, they are people and 100%. how they think it's just getting around them and learning from them and and, and seeing how they think but also you know and, and i know you actually i think it was you that just did this uh, post about adding value to yeah, other yeah. people and and what does that mean you know but it, it it's uncovering and finding ways that you can t- to talk to people around them see who's around them yes what are their interests yes. what are their folk what's their focus and and then just being persistent and Quite frankly, being able to re, you know receive that rejection when you get it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last thing I'll, I'll say is, and and I know I kind of mentioned it already, but once I was actually in front of these people, there was zero nerves. Yeah, and I cannot think, especially some of the bigger names, I cannot think of any time I was treated uh, as anything less than as, uh, you know, less than a peer or a counterpart or whatever. Uh, The attention was on me and our discussion. We got to know each other just like this, just like you and I. And it was, it's just refreshing. And that as time has gone on has reduced the fear. So Mm -hmm. then it's like, then you have to ask yourself, okay, like how could I make myself a little bit more uncomfortable now? And that's kind of where I am with a little bit of the business, changing up some offerings and things like that, that I'm, I'm, I'm confident I can do, but I still need to get the reps in and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So talk about like, who, who are some of your heroes in business? You've, you've interviewed a bunch of them. And, yeah. and so I'd love to just kind of learn from you, like who's your hero and, mm-hmm. or heroes and, and why, like, what did you learn from them? One of them, here's a couple. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, we could talk about Gary V all day, but he, he's yeah. kind of like one. Here, here's one thing, actually, I'll just paint one picture uh, of of what these heroes have in common, and that is their ability, their inability to kind of exaggerate the truth. They are, I like to call them in my mind, truth tellers. You could tell there's nothing that's not being said or there's nothing that's that's being said just for effect. Yeah. Their desire is to paint the picture as matter-of-factly 
as possible. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that involves helping people out in an enormous capacity for free in yeah. terms of the content they produce, the YouTube videos they make, or the podcasts that they, they host. Yeah. And that to me, here's what I could tell you. And this is perfect about growth. The, I used to think that I had some sort of system that was like, oh, I really got to like make sure no one can see my paper. This is my yeah. test. You know, I got it. I got it. I can't share it. And someone gave me this analogy not long ago, and it was incredible. And I realized this about the heroes, the Patrick Bet Davids, the Andy Frisellas, even a guy like Roger Wakefield, who's a plumber who exploded yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, like, give me a break. These are people, number one, they're all truth tellers, but they share as much information as humanly possible. And that is a growth mindset. But why did I have the scarcity mindset? Like, what was I afraid of? Well, think about it. Think about a chef who has made a good meal. Like, they are on TV showing you how to make that meal. They have yeah. the cookbook with the exact recipe mm -hmm. that is something that is uniquely theirs for millions of people to replicate. Yeah. And that doesn't stop them. They realize that they could help more people by providing as much. Now, mm. that, not the caveat, but how do you make money if you're giving everything away for free? Because what you want and what I want is access. I want you right. to hone in on my specific problem, period. And so that true. is when you could provide a premium. Yep. So put as much out as you can for free, but I can't help. And Dave could maybe benefit from my content all he wants, but yeah. it's not until he's like, I want to work with you. I've seen you. I feel like I know you. Yeah. You will pay the premium for me to help dissect exactly what problem you have going on and how I might be able to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, spot on, man. Spot on that, that access. Not, not only that, there's something to be said. I mean, you can put a recipe out there, but only you know how to put that recipe together really <laughs> to make it primo, right? Yes, you know, 100%. and to make it taste the way. It, and so your recipe done by someone else is someone else's creation. Yes. And I think that that when we begin to realize that, be, that really helps us to hone in on our own unique ability and our own specialness. And I think as business owners, we have to remember that that's, that's true with our own business. I mean, yes. everything that we do, it's, it's us, it's our culture, it's our mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and actually that, speaking of people, pretty sure you've added some people on your team over the yes. past number of months and, and really a couple of years. So I'd love that, like, how has that impacted your own leadership and, and your own growth path? <laughs> this, this is by far the biggest leadership challenge I've had because it's, it's you know, pun intended or in advance <laughs> is, you know, as an aviator, I could say this, but like, it's like building the plane as you're flying it or fixing it as you're flying it. Because, yeah, absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing established. Yeah. I'm not operating by anyone else's mission, vision, values, core, you know, all that stuff. I'm yeah. not operating by their blueprint or how this, how we are supposed to launch this site or this business or whatever it may be. Like, it's all you. Right. So how do you get buy-in when you inevitably probably have many portions of the day where you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah, right. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. you know how difficult it is to try and make sure that your people are aligned and that they're bought in and that they're not looking elsewhere and that they're enjoying the work and that they're clear on the work and that they think you're a good communicator and all these things. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, like you still have to be up and out to make sure that there is a vision that is consistent with what the business is doing right now. And it's actually driving towards that. Whoa, so yeah. as, so when it comes to team members, I would say 
to anyone listening, that is going to be something that you cannot take for granted. And it is going to require a different amount of emotional capital than you could possibly imagine because you are going to be battling with your own moments of loathing or doubt or dwelling Mm -hmm. on a a prospect who said no or a client who said, I'm out of here. You know, who knows what it is, but you have to show up for the team. And you and, and let me just share this one antidote. I I when I went to first forum to interview Andy, uh, I met someone who had been with him for 12 years. And this gentleman said to me, he goes, It was the hardest interview I've ever done. And he goes, and this was 12 years ago. I was just gonna be part-time at a supplement store, and I thought it was a complete joke. I'm like, oh I just gosh. needed extra money. He goes, <laughs> here's what I could tell you. He goes, everything he ever said was gonna happen has happened. And I was like, even at the beginning, he set the culture like that. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. And, yeah. and, and that's, that was a lesson for me right then and there. Well, and, and I think that really even speaks to business owners. I, I think that's one thing that I really want to get across to business owners is that your culture is going to happen whether you like it or not. And <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you don't like it, then look in the mirror because you're the leader. You have to create that culture by design yes. and not let it happen by default, right? Yes. I just, I mean, I think that that's so key. One of the things that you said there, I, I think is something I, I just... And it just like totally went out of my my head. I don't know if you've ever had that happen when you're on your always podcast. Happens. But, don't worry okay. about it. It always happens. Yeah, good, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. One of the things you did say earlier in the conversation was really about your business model and and going out to to see people and to film. Because I know I you know you documented you know you're going places all the time. How did that impact you with with COVID and like how has that then? realigned your your business. I want to do less of it, to be honest. Part of my personal brand is to be to include posts about my family from time to time, like on Sundays. I I cherish being a father, a girl dad specifically. I am ridiculously grateful at the support I have from my wife. And if you're a business owner, you know your significant other, that that part and actually, this is from an interview I had with Patrick Bet David. He goes, if they're not bought in from the beginning, then it's never going to work. At some point, they're going to just resent you or you're going to resent them be for, for interrupting your business or whatever it may be. Like it's, it's, it's crazy how honest he was about it. But so anyway, so the reason I say I want to do less, this is actually incredibly important, what I'm about to share. I don't belong behind the camera. I am behind the camera a lot, but I am not an expert in videography. If I am on a podcast and I am visiting someone to do the podcast, I do not need to be operating the camera then either because then I'm less focused on them. So translate that into a client relationship, although I am coaching them and helping them and allowing them to show up as their best self, their authentic self, exactly who they want to show up as, there's still a a slight disconnect because I actually have to do something technical. So the traveling part is something we're exploring now where I just don't have to go unless I go by choice. And our margins are good enough now where I could absolutely be like, I'm just going to hire a videographer in the city. I have resources all over the country. So how has it impacted me? It impacted my thinking a lot because I was thrilled that I was able to still have people during COVID be like, dude, come out, you know, come do this, come do this, and we'll film and we'll do five hours and I'll give you, you know, we'll make 40 something clips for you. All these great things were happening. And trust me, it was lucrative, but it was also taxing at the same time because every time I had to pack, I was just like sick because I was just like, I don't know. My daughters are just at this age where they're just like incredibly exciting to be around. And, you know, so, so that's how it impacted me. It has caused the shift. 
to be honest. Yeah, so interesting. I can even see it in your eyes, man. It's, <laughs> it's so cool because that's the heart of a father. I mean, really, it's, it truly is. And, and, you know, it took me a long, long time to, to get there. And yeah. seven years ago, almost, well, actually when this airs seven years ago is when I started my, my business. Mm -hmm. And it was because my kids were at a, a place where I just didn't want to miss them anymore. <laughs> I, that packing up and leaving, God, that's the hardest thing so to awful. do. I mean, people think it's all this glitz and glamour of going on the road. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. It sucks. Yes. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you get to eat some nice places maybe, but you know, a lot of times you're doing it by yourself, you know, yeah. or you're, you're not with the people who love you most and know you best. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, one thing I'll say on yeah, that is it's just it. kind of funny. I, I'm notorious for doing out and ins because I all I need is five hours to get you like three to four months worth of content. But yeah. I literally will go from Wilmington to Columbus and be back by night because I'd rather be here in the morning than wake up at a hotel or, or sleep like crap. You I know, that, I'd man. rather yeah. be here to say hi to my girls and all that and have breakfast or bring them to school, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm like out and ins. If I could do it, I'll do it. I love it, man. Yeah, that's so great. That's so, that's so good. So if if there was a lesson that you wanted to like shout from the, the rooftops about your growth or business or really anything that you've learned as an entrepreneur over the last couple of years, what would that be? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, it's extremely, extremely top of mind right now for me, which is when you are hired or when you are inquired about your services, I think it's very important to present or, or show up uh, from a place of confidence, not from a place where you already feel like you're a kind of a notch below who you're talking to because they are the one with the leverage because they have the ability to hire you or because they have the ability to contribute revenue to your company or whatever it may be. I, I think service providers specifically, we can and, and often do fall into this trap of trying to serve anyone that we can. And, and we believe that the reps are going to be worth it. And that some of these price points that we're able to you know, make exceptions on when, when that couldn't be further from the case, what, what's actually happening is you are an expert. You are not an order taker. And I believe if you show up eye to eye with this prospect and with the client and with the intent not to sell, but to just diagnose the problem. This is you taking your car in because it's making a funny noise and getting a diagnostic. Yeah. You should be doing, conducting a diagnostic. And if that person, that person's going to make one of three decisions, they're going to hire you, they're not going to hire you, or they're going to do nothing about the current problem that they have. And if you know those three outcomes, what I think is going to happen is you are just literally going to put yourself in a position where you're actively listening and your only desire is to serve and not to yeah. sell. And when you get to that point, I believe, I absolutely believe it's tangibly felt mm -hmm. from the other party and that they believe that you have their best interest in mind, that they believe you'll be okay if they say no, that they right. believe you're probably worth that price if you've done the good enough work and ask enough questions that they'll be like, okay, wow, that's outside of my range, but let's explore this further. Mm -hmm. So it is being less of an order taker and yeah. more of an expert and putting yourself in a position to confidently assert whether this person should be on your client roster or not. That is top of mind for me. That is probably the biggest lesson I've learned in the last couple of years where I think maybe you, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but maybe there's been some situations where you're like, you knew, you knew, yeah. you're like, yeah. ah, I probably shouldn't, but I'll do it. And then you're just yeah. like, what have I done? What did I do? This yeah, was not absolutely. a good experience for them or for me, because you're not going to show up as your best self unless people value you appropriately. And right. if that relationship is established like that at the outset, 
Right. Then you are going to deliver your best work. And that person's, you're going to end up at the end, hopefully with a double thank you, which Chris Voss talks about, right? Yes. Where, you know, you say thank you and they say thank you. And it's just completely copacetic. And you know what? Maybe business goes on. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and that's, that's such great advice. It, it's such great advice because I think too many people have this mentality, they allow their, their inner critic to get the best of them. Yeah. And they, they've got to silence that so that you can be, you know, go into every interaction being the most authentic you, but the most mm. confident and, yeah. and boldest you as well. Yes. Because I mean, that's where you're going to add the most value <laughs> to the, mm -hmm. to the conversation and to the, to the uh, interaction. Now, I, I think that's, that's spot on, Rich. What else would you like to leave our listeners with today? I know we're kind of getting to the end of, yeah. of our time together and I want to really be respectful of your time, but what else would you like to share with the listeners just about your own growth or, or any, really anything? Yeah, I am a, a very much a practitioner of of what it is that I do and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, how much creating content has impacted and allowed the business to thrive. The reason I'm mentioning that is you do not need to be a business owner to create content. Yeah, if you're one true. of the emerging leaders that you know, ever might work, you know, with impact leadership or, 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 you know, any consulting organization for that matter, creating content does a couple of things. It, it highlights what you are able to solve on a regular basis. If you approach it the right way, it allows you to get some pattern recognition by testing out your copywriting abilities, by testing out what you put under the photo, by testing out that 45 second video, by testing out a storytelling capability, by testing out whether that post was actually really indulgent or whether it was actually meant to serve others. Mm. But if you want to have impact, deeper impact, this is exactly why I mentioned that earlier. Why I didn't want to just kind of reach people in Wilmington. Like that's not sure. exciting to me. If you want to have impact, you can't keep it reserved for where you are in your company or if yeah. you're a small business just directly in that region. Your reach can be much, much further, uh, which is why I believe exploring social media as annoying as it might be and creating content for it is potentially going to get you some of the eyeballs and the awareness that you probably deserve. But more importantly, and you could talk to Claude about this. If anyone doesn't know Claude, it's <laughs> over. You got to follow her. Oh, but yeah, definitely. She's too special to not be out there. There's oh, gosh, too many no people kidding. who could benefit from her message. Yeah. And if you realize if you are able to get to the realization that it's not an indulgent, it's not egotistical, but it's in the best interest of people who are five steps behind you or want to be in a position that you're in or a business owner, whatever it is. Yep. And it starts with getting the message out there and not keeping it in a box. Yep. So that is what I would say. And, and that has allowed me... The most gratifying messages I get are... That message really resonated. You know, you completely changed my way of thinking or something like that. And, and, and I know now when Gary says it to me and when I thank him for another interview or whatever it is, he goes, this means so much more to me than a couple bucks. I know he means it because I get it. Yeah. Get it. So think about it from that lens and, and maybe it'll help. I love that. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that in today's world, even if you're working for a company or with a company as an emerging leader, as part of a leadership team, you've got to be able to keep creating content so yes. that you demonstrate your own thought leadership. So yes. I'm so glad that you brought that up. 
The other thing that I just have to say too is, man, Claude Silver's message. I, I think it's one that I I'm attempting to echo in my own way because yeah. I love the idea of a chief heart officer within yeah. an organization. Yes, and it's uh, it's so cool too because one of my coaching clients in a company actually just said that to me. He said, "You know, I listened to this lady be interviewed. Her name is." Is Claude Silver and she's the chief heart officer. I'm like, yeah, I, I know Claude. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's like, you're kind of like that with our company. I'm like, well, interesting. That's cool. But, yes. but I, I think there's more companies that need that. There are yes. co- more companies that need someone to be able to help them mm-hmm. find that heartbeat and find yes. the human heartbeat of the organization 100%. and keep it going, encourage it, because that's the human element of it. I think mm-hmm. that too oftentimes business owners and business leaders get so focused on the numbers and the metrics and the KPIs that we forget the human component of business. So anyway, sorry, I, I'll get no, off my, no, my soapbox here I, for just I, a I second. I could not agree more. I, I could not agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rich, tell everybody how they can get it in touch with you. First of all, if you, you've never seen Rich, you've not been on social media. So get on LinkedIn, <laughs> connect with him on LinkedIn, yeah. YouTube. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn is Rich Cardona. Instagram is uh, Rich Cardona underscore, or just you can just type in Rich Cardona. And then um, you are uh, an aspiring business owner, a new business owner, or a seasoned business owner, then uh, the Leadership Locker podcast is the podcast I have. We're about 138 episodes in. And I think... Uh, depending on when this airs, if, if if this is towards the end of June or after that, doesn't matter. But I do have a week where I'm releasing my podcasts with um, Andy Frisella, Gary Vaynerchuk, and then Patrick Bet David all in the same week. Uh, just some heavy hitters. I like to kind of stack it up, but just profound knowledge, profound, profound knowledge that anyone, whether you're in traditional work or if you're an entrepreneur, can benefit from. So definitely check out the leadership block. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This should this should air right at the, the first part of July. So perfect. I think it should be perfect timing. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, Rich, thank you so much. I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate your willingness to share your experience because you're one of those leaders that I see and because you're out there and you're you are you're practicing what you preach and and I love the to see that growth journey and and see that trajectory man it's it's so exciting i just i just love it appreciate you my friend and uh thanks for being on thank you so much for having me well i don't know about you but rich had some really great points to take away and some things that got me thinking are first we all need to be constantly adapting to our changing environment now i know that with the pandemic it's been something that we've all faced and we've all had to deal with but even without the pandemic we have to keep assessing where we are and what's important to us and adapting to that and and, and related to that if we don't evolve we're going to be stuck and and that's not going to serve our company or our career uh, or our teams uh, or, or really our own personal growth. And, and I really loved what Rich said about getting outside of his comfort zone. He does it intentionally. And it's, it's really all about taking risk. And, and I also loved what he talked about when he's going after and, and, and trying to get high profile people on his podcast. He's risking rejection, but that's part of being outside of his comfort zone. And essentially what he's saying is that he does it anyway, even if he's a bit afraid. And I loved what he shared too, really about being intentional with with his own company culture and the example that gave of, of the lesson that he learned from one of Andy Frazella's team members about how intentional Andy was right from the start of the interview of how they did things around that company. Now, 
I'd love to hear what you got from this podcast. So be sure to reach out to me and and let me know. And, And next week, I've got another really great episode with a business owner who has grown dramatically over the last 18 months. And you're not gonna wanna miss this episode with Alexandra Perslov. So go out and be sure that you subscribe to the podcast. And when you do, if you go to the link in the show notes, I have a gift for you as my way of saying thanks for being a subscriber. I'm also cooking up some special things for my podcast listeners that you're not going to want to miss. So keep tuning in. Make sure you subscribed. But for now, thank you so much for listening and keep getting outside of your comfort zone. And until next time, be well. Be well.